Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Thursday. We are almost at the end of April. Uh, we arrive there tomorrow. Isn't that amazing? I look outside even as I'm speaking right now and, and just the sun shining in the blue sky and it speaks of spring and this is so good. It is so good. I mean, it's getting light here this morning. It was getting light, you know, around 5.30, 5.15 and I just love that. I love that. And this is coming from a guy who's generally not a morning person. It is so good. Anyway, let's uh, let's read the gospel. Hey, and, and those of you who are named Catherine, Katie, Kate, uh, happy feast day to you. It is the feast of St. Catherine of Siena today, while also being um, the Thursday of the fourth week of Easter. And we are going to continue through the gospel and we will read John 13 today, 16 to 20, but we're also, after we talk about the gospel, going to talk about St. Catherine of Siena a little bit to, to get to know her and what she teaches us today, okay? So let's dive into the scripture first. My friends are reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, he said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, no slave is greater than his master, nor any messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you understand this, blessed are you if you do it. I am not speaking to all of you. I know those whom I have chosen, but so that scripture might be fulfilled, the one who ate my food has raised his heel against me. From now on, I am telling you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe that I am. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Brothers and sisters, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we get that same theme, don't we? I mean, the Father and I are one, and we talked about it yesterday, and, and we see that in the last line. Whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. I mean, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That, 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 that image that we're not just receiving Christ, we receive God, the Father. We receive the Trinity in its fullness. When we receive the Spirit... Um, but anyway, we've talked that uh, enough the last two days, haven't we? Yes, this is so good. So let's talk about uh, two other things, and then we'll get to St. Catherine. Uh, the first is this. So this is John 13. We start with verse 16. Had we gone before, we would have—this is the Last Supper. This is the evening of the Last Supper. And in John's gospel, of course, what does that look like? It looks like Jesus taking off his outer garments, uh, tying a, a, a towel around his waist, and going and washing the disciples, the, the feet of the disciples of the disciples. Um, and uh, and then, so this begins immediately after uh, this story that we get today. So in John, and I've mentioned this before, the first 12 chapters are called the book of signs, meaning these are the things that point the way. They point not only to who Christ is, which they do, but they point to what the kingdom of God looks like and what the intent of humanity is under God's realm and, and living within God's realms. These are all signs that point. So when the water is turned to wine, I mean, it points not only to Christ as who he is, it points to, hey, you know, what does this look like? What is... 
the, the abundance of God, uh, wine signifying joy, that we are filled with joy, all those things. Anyway, we didn't read about the wedding at Cana today. The 13th through the end of the gospel, which is John 21, that is the book of glory. And the first five chapters, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, are all John's discourse, the Last Supper discourse, the longest sermon probably in all four of the Gospels, truth be told. It's longer than Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, which I believe would be number two. Um, And so uh, what we see again here is, okay, if this is the book of glory, what does glory look like? Well, it looks like getting down on your knees and washing feet. That's what it looks like. And so then Jesus comes up and says, Amen, amen, I say to you, no slave is greater than their master, nor any messenger greater than the one who sent him. Um, so I, I want to start there. You know, I think I know every one of you listening here, I know, you know, this, you've heard it a hundred times, whether it's for me and other people, we know, uh, that the way up is the way down. We know that we are called to serve. We know, um, that the greatest of you uh, shall be the least. I mean, we, we know all those things, but when I say we know them, we know them in our head. And we know them as Christians in our head. And, and, uh, and, but the problem is, brothers and sisters, at, at least I think, again, I'm painting with a big brush here, so, so forgive. But the problem as Americans is, I think our head belongs to Christ because we know that. But oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes our heart belongs to the opposite. Um, and, and it is an upward ascending mobility uh, and and uh, not necessarily the the one who dies with the most toys wins not not that idea but I don't know if it deals with our ego I don't know if it just simply deals with our culture I don't know if it deals with uh, an, an American ideal or whether it's a security issue it, it could be any number of things and all those things but but I think there is something within us that aspires to move toward the top, whether that be in our fields of study, whether that be uh, in terms of monetarily what we're paid, whether that is in our profession, uh, in, our, in our particular job, uh, in, a, in a society that we're a part of, uh, in a group that we're, whatever it is, that there is often that idea that, that you know what, um, to move to the top is, is where I need to be, again, for whatever reasons that go on there, ego and security and money and, and fulfillment, happiness. But Jesus, of course, says exactly the opposite, exactly the opposite, in that the way up is the way down, is, is if you are going to, to, to uh, be the first, you must be the last, and not just saying, okay, so, so be last, pretend to like it, and really we all want to be first, so we'll eventually get there. I mean, it's that idea that says, I desire to serve. I mean, that's that Martha phrase, isn't it? Martha served. Martha served. And, and Jesus is clearly saying that. No slave is greater than their master. No messenger is greater than the one who sent them. Um. How do we get that Christian idea, that one that we know, that that we are called to serve and take that lowest place and bring it to our heart? We know it to be true. 
because we saw it in Mother Teresa and every one of us looked and said, that is what holiness looks like. And, and they often ask her what was the hardest part about doing it. And she said, lifting up that first person, taking that first person in, probably for her ego, probably for not knowing what to do. But when she did that, the second was easier. And then the third easier. And then moving from there, we knew she was holy. And we knew that holiness and that lowliness, if I can use that word, carried great power because of who she was, because she carried authenticity. Brothers and sisters, I, I am in no means do I mean to be passing judgment. I, I look at myself, I, I, and maybe I'm speaking all about myself, and, and you are, are over on the other side saying, Joe, I, I don't think I'm, I'm with you on this one. Okay, okay. But I do think there is something within uh, our culture, and our culture can, can eat theology for, for breakfast. Isn't that the word, the phrase? Culture eats ideology and theology for breakfast. And we can become so much a part of a culture because it is so enticing. And it's, it's like a drug. And we can buy into to its, what it's trying to sell us. And we want to be part of the top because that's it. We're all about winning, right? Winning, winning, winning. And our God says, no, we go to the lowest place. Because that's where I am. I know it's true. I know what I say is true in, in that we're called there. Um, and I think every day we have to choose that. What else do I want to talk about today? Well, I want to talk about the fact I love that line, and this is just a passing statement. I know those whom I have chosen. My friends today, if nothing else, just reflect on the fact that you are chosen. You are not an accident in the company of God. You are not merely a mistake away from losing that chosenness. You are chosen because you are loved and you are created in the image and likeness by the grace of God. You are chosen. You are not here on a whim. You and I have been chosen. Why? I don't know that I can get fully to that. I know I can't. But I suspect to remind other people that they too are chosen. I love the chosenness of God, how plentiful it is. It's like the, the sower, right, who takes the seed and, and just throws it abundantly everywhere. It doesn't care if it goes on rocky soil or with thorns or, you know, in shallow soil or whatever it is on the path. He just wants it out there. So uh, uh, then I like at the end how it says, listen, amen, amen, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. We already talked about how God and the, you know, the Father and, and Christ, when you see me, you have seen the Father. But what about the fact that when we see each other as church, we see Christ? Because that's what he's saying here, too. That's the first half of the sentence. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send, that's you and me. Whoever receives the one I send, receives me. Make no bones about it, brothers and sisters. We as church are called to bring Christ. Uh, and when one receives us, we re they receive Christ. Not because we deserve it, but because we are the body. 
you know, again, I used that quote uh, a couple of days ago, uh, Paul and Jesus, when Paul was on the road to Damascus, gets thrown off the horse as, as the, the story goes. He's blinded and the voice comes and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He says, who are you, Lord, uh, that I'm persecuting? He says, it is I, Christ Jesus. Well, Jesus and, and Paul never met. Um, and so clearly he was not persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting the church. Paul came to power after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. So clearly, 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 Jesus is equating his body, the church, with him. Jesus did it. Don't get mad at me. Paul does it later. Paul buys it, of course, because later, I mean, look in Romans and look in Corinthians, Corinthians 12, when he uses that body imagery that Jesus is the head and we are all members of the body. You can't separate the head from the body. And every bodily part, no matter what part it has, is as its purpose and its point, you and I are that body. And when we are present to another, when they receive us, they receive Christ. That's, that's the image we carry. That's the importance. That should, you know, I don't like saying should. We have to be careful um, because we carry, you know, it's that whole idea of your bodies are temples of the Spirit, so we've got to take good care of them uh, because we carry the Spirit of God within us by God's grace, by God's grace. But know the importance of church, and not just you and I, but you know those people that you go to that you're part of? And, and the church doesn't mean just, you know, uh, my church here because I'm a keel, Saints Peter and Paul. You know, we and those people who don't go this week, they're not part of us or, or part of the chosen. Uh, I mean, the church is the body of believers the body of believers. And we carry a great grace and a great responsibility with us. It is both and, always. Which leads us to Catherine of Siena. Okay, my Lord, have mercy. I've been at it for 14 minutes, and I'm just getting to Catherine, and I have to give her more than a minute or two. She's way too good. If you don't know much about her, Ah, again, get to know her, so great. Born in Italy in the 14th century, only lived to be 33. Um, had a great zeal uh, for, uh, for unity. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and fearless. This woman was fearless. So, okay, one of 23. Well, at least well, they may have had more in the family. She was the 23rd. That's what I know. I don't know if that means she was the youngest. What I was researching simply said she was the 23rd child. You did not hear that incorrectly. 23rd, born in Siena, uh, Italy. And um, a very intelligent, very cheerful, very beautiful, very faith-filled woman from a very early age. And uh, cut her hair in protest to her mother because her mother kept saying, oh, you got to be really pretty and... and uh, uh, show yourself well so you can get a husband. Well, she, that didn't interest her at all. And so she cut her hair in protest, and mom was angry, but dad stood in the gap and protected her and said, let her be, and got her a room. How do you find a room when you have 23 kids? Found her a space, a room, where she could have private prayer and set up her little chapel, and she could uh, read scripture and uh, and just partake in in. Uh, in a sense, a mini monasticism on her own in this house. Well, when she turned 18, she joined the Dominican order. And for three years, of course, part of that is you sequestered yourself. And, uh, and she was in seclusion. And uh, gradually, 
some followers gathered around her. So clearly there had to be something about her within these three years of her. Uh, again, kind of like we when we saw Mother Teresa, we knew there had to be something about her in her lowliness and austerity uh, and, and in her holiness that people began to follow her. And, uh, and so what they did was they, they, an apostolate grew out of that, and she would write them letters, her children, and I put that in quotes, um, spiritual instruction and encouragement. And she, again, remember how I said she was fearless? Uh, she would fearlessly uh, take on what was happening in the culture around her. Uh, and call it to who it could be in Christ. And there were a number of people that uh, opposed her and slandered her directly because of that. Uh, But uh, she did not back down uh, from that at all. And her public influence only grew because they evidenced her holiness. She Even to the point where she was impressing the Pope, and she and the Pope had a, a, a very good relationship. Well, in 1378, there was that uh, schism where there were two popes and then eventually three, and that was dividing the church. And this, in her last two years of of life, because she was born in 1347, lived till 1380, her last two years of life, she spent uh, pleading with the pope, pleading, you know, with the church that we would recognize Urban as the pope. Urban, I believe it was the sixth, don't quote me on that, um, as the the pope. And... um, and, and gave her life, she said, as, a, as a, a sacrifice for the unity of the church. And in 1939, she, Catherine of Siena, along with Pope, or Pope, excuse me, with St. Francis of Assisi, were named patrons of Italy. Yeah. When you're with St. Francis of Assisi, you're, you're, you're somewhere. So 1939, she and Francis were named uh, co-patrons of Italy. And in 1970, Paul VI... Uh, named she and Teresa of Avila, uh, the first women doctors of the church. Uh, that's what we're talking about here. That's the level of, of, of woman. Um, a doctor of the church. There's only 30, I want to say 34. Again, don't quote me. I'm in the ballpark there. Of, of the greatest teachers in our church. And Catherine of Siena is one of them. Two things and then I'll be quiet and then we'll pray. My goodness, is she a woman for our time? Because, brothers and sisters, we are called at this time to engage our culture fearlessly like she did, not as Democrats and not as Republicans. That, that is a bunch of silliness. If we go out there with ideology, we lose. We lose our standing as ministers. We lose our standing as, as uh, people of faith, and we undermine the church. We have to stop that immediately, but we have to engage the culture as Catholic Christians. We must, because the culture is dying for what we have, and we must fearlessly engage it as Catholics, not as red or blue, but as people who, again, represent Christ, right? When you receive me, you receive the one who sent me. We are called to be fearless in the face of slander and opposition, but to engage it. And brothers and sisters, I say I don't do that well myself. It's easy to sit behind a a podcast and talk, but how do we engage? 
We need to struggle with that today. And the other thing is we need to, as, as Teresa did, plead and act and do everything we can on behalf of unity in the church because right now our church is as divided as it's ever been, certainly in my lifetime, I think for quite some time. Our church is, is experienced division. And, and Catherine laid down her life on behalf of the church, the body of Christ. What can we do to help unify rather than divide. She is a woman for our time. And so uh, let's, uh, let's lift up our current situation to her. And so we say, Catherine of Siena, pray for us. So let's take all this to prayer, my friends, and um, continue through our sorrowful mysteries and bring those uh, intentions to Catherine today and invite Catherine to lay them at the foot of our Savior. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The fourth sorrowful mystery, uh, Jesus is nailed to the cross. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, bless you on this feast day, and uh, may God's peace reign in your heart. And let's uh, get together one last time tomorrow. God's peace.